Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the TCT podcast. TCT exists to treasure Christ together. You can find out more about our network and how we seek to joyfully serve pastors and their wives and support local churches to start new Christ treasuring churches by going to tctnetwork.org. And today I'm joined by my brother Lance Parrott in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And Lance, brother, thank you so much for taking some time to have this combo with me today. Yeah, it's my joy to be on here. Um, most of the people may be familiar with your name and your your work that the Lord's entrusted to you there in Bowling Green, but just so that everybody can have opportunity to know a little bit about you. Why don't you tell us about your family and your church, meaning like where do you serve, how long you've been there, those sorts of things. Yeah, I'm a pastor in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I have a beautiful big family with uh, a uh, wife, Rebecca, who we've been married now for 15 years. Seems like a long time. <laughs> and uh, loved each other. Uh, I can't... Uh, First, it was in a relationship with Rebecca when I was a freshman in high school. And so in fifth grade, she told her mom she was going to uh, marry me before I even <laughs> really knew her. So, so uh, yeah, lovely wife. And then I have three girls, Eden, Salem, and Mendel, and a little boy named Crosby. So we got a full house. And I've, I've been pastoring in Bowling Green uh, for 11 years now at Christ Fellowship Church. It's a church plant, uh, planted in February of 2009. And, uh, just God's done a, a beautiful work here to, to build a community of people from different backgrounds. Um, but all united around Jesus. And so been hard at it. And I tell most people that, um, you know, I try to preach the gospel and stay out of the way. That's my two goals. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. That's a good MO for, uh, for ministry. Yeah, let let the Lord unleash the line. Let the Lord do the work. Uh, That's right. Get it. Oh wait, so time out, bro. You say your wife, your now wife, when she was in fifth grade, before you really knew her, told her mom she's gonna marry you. That's right. She she <laughs> had a. We went to the same church, and she used to cut the little Lance off the Lance crackers. You know the peanut butter and crackers. Yeah. She would cut Lance off the wrappers and stick them in her pocket. Dang. So, so she was, she was like, she, she was on hot pursuit of you through like cracker snippet, crapper, cracker package snippets before, hey, before y'all were a thing. That's awesome. That's I don't her. think I've ever heard that. It's like the, the pre-romance. <laughs> I always tell people that that's not a lot of, a lot of kids in the, in the Sunday school classes though used to do that. A lot of the girls. So, it's uh, not just her. <laughs> I love it, bro. That's great. Well, I remember uh, when you guys were here in Memphis and doing y'all's assessments and stuff like that for the network. We're going to talk about in just a moment. But uh, she was talking about you guys being high school sweethearts. But I think she she left out the cutting the wrappers off the cracker packages, uh, being smitten with you since since fifth grade. So that's great, brother. Tracy and I are also high school sweethearts and been a been a blessing to have like you uh you called a big beautiful family we got six kids and um tons of grace and tons of goodness in, in those years but brother there are two things uh, as you know 
that I want us to have a conversation about today that I think will be uh, of encouragement to the brothers and sisters in our network, whoever may tap into this episode. So let me just mention those two categories and we'll just try to tackle them one at a time briefly. Category number one, you guys are like uh, the, the, the apostle said, the one untimely born. Uh, you and Christ Fellowship have been grafted into the network, not from the beginning, but as an already established church just a few years ago. So I'd like for you to talk in a moment about just kind of that process as an existing church coming into the network. And my heart's desire and prayer is that there may be people who, you know, soon or down the line stumble across this episode and perhaps the Lord might use that to help them consider and think about network partnership. And I'm just going to insert a parenthesis right there and say to anybody who does listen, we're not seeking to get as big as we can, as fast as we can. This network obviously isn't for everybody. It's one among 10 trillion billion things God's doing for his glory. But maybe Lance's story uh, would encourage somebody to prayerfully consider checking out the potential partnership. And then the second thing, brother, I want us to talk about is uh, just a culture of gospel-saturated relationships, discipleship and interpersonal relationships between brothers and sisters in a congregation that's just full of the gospel. So that's where we're headed. So let me take a step back and try to hit number one. Then we'll hit number two. Um, how long has Christ Fellowship been part of the TCT network? Yeah, so we we became a part of the network. We went through an assessment process a, a couple of years ago. I think it was in April of 2018 and had heard about the network for years from a good brother, Justin Perry, who's pastor in Covenant Life Church in Tampa. It's kind of one of those things you keep hearing about and uh, kept getting louder and louder about the, the joys of the network. And so after a while, it was like, hey, we need to give this network a, list, a listen. The things that they value and love and treasure are the things that we value, love and treasure. So let's just let's just give it a look. And we went through the assessment pro process a couple years ago. Amen. OK, so through Justin's influence in your life and then kind of coming to a culmination a couple of years ago. But let's just back up into y'all's journey and say, once you did hear more about the network or you read or learned or talked with Justin or however info was coming your way, can you just talk about the kind of the in-house process? Did you go to your elders and bring it to them? And just what did it look like for you guys to start the exploration? Yeah, well, I would say that probably, you know, right from the beginning of our church, we had a passion to be a church that treasures Jesus above everything and not only treasure Jesus, but hopefully Lord willing plant Jesus saturated churches, other places. Amen. And we had conversations as probably a lot of young planters do with other networks. And I, I kept thinking that, you know, the thing that's allowed us about this network or that network would be a lot of pragmatic reasons to join, you know, we might have some, some reasons on what your service should look like or what your building should look like or what your mission statement. So a lot of pragmatic answers. But every time I would talk to Justin Perry, he would say, nobody makes me treasure Jesus and want to be like Jesus, like the Treasuring Christ Network. Uh, and 
for me, it's like if I'm going to pick some pragmatic tools <laughs> or treasuring Jesus more as a pastor mm. and through the network, our church treasuring Jesus more and us planting churches that treasure Jesus as the name above every name. That seems like a no brainer. What, which one we would pick. Mm. Mm. Amen. Well, I, I'm going to ask you a question in, in a moment that may be, you know, a colossal disaster, but I'm willing to take the risk, but I'm going to give you the question. Now I'm going to make a couple comments. I'm going to give you a chance to, give your response. Uh, that way you can think about it at least for a few seconds. Is there any buyer's remorse? <laughs> you guys have been in for a little while. That's the question I'm going to ask you. Um, but here's my comment. Uh, you just said the, kind of that, that dual combo between uh, the pragmatic and the, and the foundation. And I know you enough to know whether you are very interested in making as big a dent the glory of Christ in our generation as God would fill you with the spirit and allow you to make. And I know you want to be about uh, the work of Christ in his kingdom, disciple making church planting to the ends of the earth. And if that's going to happen, it's not only going to happen, you know, in a monastery on the side of a mountain in the Himalayas with, with you beholding Christ. So my, my, hearty amen uh, to what you said as you described this network. And, and I'm about to hear whether or not if you found that to be true um, is kind of first Peter hearkening back to, to Leviticus, the Lord has said, be holy as I am holy. If we focus on being what God wants us to be, then he'll give us plenty to do. And we want to be about the work. So, so may God empower us to be yes and amen about the work, but not by getting the work inverted or the cart in front of the horse, but, but truly focusing on our Redeemer and his, his love for us and, and his holy character. So, all right, brother, uh, that, that was my segue, and I gave you enough time to catch your breath. You guys have been in now for a couple of years. Your elders led your congregation to, to take the leap and to partner officially. Uh, buyer's remorse or maybe another side of that same coin. Have you, have you found to be true what you thought you were getting into uh, would yield? So one thing that we've said since day one at Christ fellowship is I'll say to our church that we want people to get drunk on Jesus every Sunday hmm. and that the loudest name that, that's ringing in their ears when they walk outside would be the name of Jesus and treasuring him. And honestly, treasuring Christ network does that from my heart. Like when I'm around the, the brothers and the wives, whether it be at the, the retreat that we go on for pastors and wives, or whether it be just in fellowship with like you all at Grace Memphis, when we visited there, uh, we have been wel welcome in uh, from the outside from day one, never felt like we were, on the outside of the network coming in, but felt more of like you all are treasuring Jesus and you're welcoming us into that treasuring. And so, mm. you know, from day one, we haven't felt uh, buyer's remorse, <laughs> but thought, uh, I guess you could put it. We've had a great, great return on our investment. Yeah. Praise, praise God. Ditto to that. Touche. Amen. We, we very much feel the same way. And I'll just say this. Uh, we were less 
in terms of your journey, we were less on the kind of the side of looking for a network that might, um, you know, closely embrace, articulate, affirm, embody uh, who we believe the Lord's called us to be. Uh, we were less on that end of the spectrum because of just the way the Lord ordered our steps. I mean, I did a residency at Bethlehem. Bethlehem was used by the Lord to kind of instigate this network. It's since gotten decentralized from Bethlehem, though they're very much part of the network. But uh, this is what I would say. When I stumbled across things like the Elder Affirmation of Faith, that's now the TCT Elder Affirmation, or descriptions of the centrality of Christ in the local church or in the life of the believer or in his mission in the world, that, that truly Christ is to have the preeminence in all things. And God actually meant what he said. I would say TCT put into verbiage what was already deep in my heart, and I just didn't know how to say it. And then the more I get around these brothers, you included, and others in the network, I, I find I love the way you put it to get intoxicated on Jesus, uh, to get inebriated with the glory of Christ over and over again. Uh, I find, like you said, Justin mentioned to you, uh, these brothers and sisters and in, in these churches inevitably are used by the Holy spirit to point me back to true North and, and to the radiant beauty of Christ. So, amen. I'm glad mm-hmm. you guys have been encouraged. I sort of expected that you might be willing to, uh, or that you not be willing, but that you would that you would articulate it that way. Um, so, yeah. can go I, ahead, brother. I add that, like, it wasn't that the network changed our values or what was core to us, hmm. but it was almost like when we put what we're passionate about—the glory of God, treasuring Jesus, the nations—when we put our values on top of the values of the network, they just help shine brighter. Yeah. So it's almost like putting a match into yep. a candle, you know, it just lit it up even more. Yep. So that's been, that's been such a blessing to, to not change our values, but just em- embolden them and strengthen them. Amen. And uh, what we're about. Amen. That's exactly what I was just trying to say a few minutes ago. So thank you for adding that. All right. Well, if, if anybody listens to this episode and you're the pastor of an already existing church and you would be interested in starting that conversation, I'm just going to put Lance on the spot and say, uh, the brothers in Bowling Green. His name is Lance Parrot. What's your church's website? ChristFellowshipBG.com. Okay, so reach out to him, and he'll be happy. I know to talk to you about their experience, or maybe one of their other elders uh, would be willing to engage. And we'll see what the Lord does with that portion of this episode. I'm going to shift gears now and talk about that other theme with you, uh, basically gospeling one another. It's a phrase we hear a lot. It kind of loses its significance when you, you know, everything is a gospel thing, (laughs) but uh, I do want to talk about that. And here's my segue uh, into that territory. You mentioned that you and your elders came down to Memphis. uh, And for, for those wondering about context for that, we did a little, what we call pastoral intensive weekend here at Grace Church Memphis, Lance and his elders and other pastors of other churches came and we just looked at kind of the basic framework of a biblical ecclesiology and what's it look like to be an under shepherd and try to seek to care for the souls of God's people. Well, I noticed something Lance about you and your elders that 
um, both instructed and encouraged me. And that is you guys, by the grace of God, obviously have a culture of the grace of Jesus among you in your brotherhood. And I could tell that you all relate to each other as mutual um, instruments of, of the Spirit's edification in one another's lives. And you talk about the Jesus that you individually treasure. And I'm assuming that if that was true among your elders, and I saw it with my own eyes, then by the grace of God, I, I trust that he's allowing that to be replicated in the life of the body with your relationships with other members. And then God willing, even independent of you from, from brothers and sisters in the congregation of one another. So let's just talk about that for a few minutes. Uh, what, uh, you know, what, what's one reason or way, I guess I would say that gospeling one another has fleshed itself out in your life, your ministry or in Christ fellowship. Yeah, well, first, praise the Lord that you were able to see that because that's even an evidence of the gospel and and grace at work in our church and our elders. And and uh, we we just want to constantly be not getting past the gospel, but, but getting deeper into it, because I think it's easy to think, you know, we come to faith in Christ as an unbeliever. I desperately needed Jesus, but now I need my effort and my strength and my, my best ability to, to accomplish uh, what's better. I, I heard one pastor say one time that it's almost like law and self-righteousness is our natural language or our first language. Mm. And uh, the gospel is a new language given to us through regeneration, through being born again. And it's not our first language. So sometimes we don't think that way first. But, but the goal is to immerse ourselves in it. So if you think about somebody that would go to, you know, Spain to learn Spanish is going to be a lot better off than somebody that has a 30 minute class every week. Mm. So if we as a church can immerse ourselves in the gospel from the pulpit to our living rooms, to coffee shops, to brother, brother on brother, sister on sister discipleship, if the gospel is loudest from the pulpit, we want it to be loudest in those conversations too. Hmm. And so I guess the imagery of immersing ourselves in that second, that new language till it becomes our first language that we dream in and amen. we think in and we speak in, you know? Yeah. Amen. May the Lord make us all fluent uh, as, as fluent as the spirit is in telling of the, wonder of Jesus. Uh, so I love that illustration. I'm going to rob that and steal that. And, and we're going to use that illustration. All right, brother. So to talk about some ways that that has shown up by God's grace, just personally in your life. And I'm going to exempt the pulpit. All right. Not because that's not important, but because I know, you know, and you try to practice by God's grace, gospel saturated preaching. But what are some other ways that we can all employ gospeling in our relationships. Have you seen that happen? Yeah. Well, well, let me say a word about the pulpit. I always, I always tell the, the young men that I disciple the men we spend time with a lot in our church that you can be, you can say Jesus, 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 grace, 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 as much as possible from the pulpit, but then have a culture that's all about 
law and performance yep. and competition and comparison. So just because you have grace uh, centered preaching doesn't mean you'll have a grace saturated culture. Mm-hmm. So I think we're always guarding against that. Um, always guarding against like we, we want to be grace saturated to, to our living rooms. And so um, I think that starts really with the, the pastors, the leaders desperately needing the gospel, you know, not getting past the gospel, but, but being reminded of my desperation and my poverty and my weakness mm. and how I'm desperate for Jesus. Um, because if I get past it and think there's something better or something I'm going to be sustained by other than the grace of Jesus, everybody else is going to as well. Mm-hmm. So um, preaching the gospel daily to ourselves is key. Preaching the gospel to one another Um when we first started as a church, it, it was awkward, but to hear brothers say things to one another, like, what is the gospel? Not, not talking to someone about, hey, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? You met them on the sidewalk. I'm talking about a, mm-hmm. sitting with a brother in a coffee shop and saying, let's rehearse. Let me hear the gospel again. And just the refreshing uh, uh, reminder because we all have spiritual amnesia that we forget the gospel daily. Mm-hmm. So the, the reminder of this good news, how good is this good news and how, how is it, is it the only thing that can sustain us? So I think preaching it to yourself, preaching it to one another, even believers one to another, um, trying to, to talk about it in every conversation, uh, the glories of Christ and what he has done. Uh, Bonhoeffer, uh, has a a line somewhere it's in the uh, life together book where he talks about, you know, the Christ in my own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of my Mm -hmm. brother. Um, And that's not saying that the gospel in our own heart is different. It's just saying our feelings are fickle and we have to hear it from others. We have to be reminded of the truth that Mm -hmm. we're going to forget. Yeah. But I mean, what you're saying actually reminds me of so many passages. I'm going to limit myself to one in a a passage that honestly shocked me I, I didn't i didn't expect paul to say and that happens so many times when i read the bible like god says the thing that i didn't expect him to say <laughs> but in ephesians chapter 3 <laughs> paul's writing to the church that he had spent the most time with of all of his missionary journeys three plus years in ephesus he knew these people really well and he writes to these folks who he totally believes are in Christ. All you got to do is look at chapters one and two to see that. And he says in chapter three in his prayer that one of the things he prays for them is that Christ would dwell in their heart through faith. Like, how would you like the apostle Paul to show up at uh, your congregation on Sunday, walk up to the pulpit in front of everybody and say, Lance, uh, there's one thing I've been praying for you. And that's that Jesus would dwell in your heart. Like, we, we would have been maybe offended. I don't know. What, what do you mean Jesus dwell in my heart? Like he's already there. But what you're talking about is that holy provocation of stirring up the life of Christ in our brothers and sisters by giving them Christ and proclaiming him so that we may present everyone complete in him. So I'm going to put you on the spot and say, give me an example you can think of whether it was you to another brother or another brother to you or one of the folks in your congregation toward another member, uh, but a concrete example 
of in the recent where you've seen this play out? Mm, that's good. Yeah, we, we've had, uh, you know, a common one that you see is people struggling with like uh, pornography. I've had brothers come to me and, and struggling with that lust and that temptation and being able to go to Romans 13, 14 and saying, put on mm-hmm. Christ and make no provision mm-hmm. for the flesh. You know, let's not jump just to accountability and what we need to do and how many blocks need to be on the computer. But you need to first do what Paul says here and delight in Christ. Put on Christ. Remind yourself of your identity in mm-hmm. Christ. So the first step you're going to take, the first step you're putting down is not, well, let me get busy with my best effort to put up all these blocks and and to go the extra mile to not watch TV and these things. Uh, your, your first step is to remind yourself of who you are in Christ, that you're already hidden in Christ, that you're not fighting for approval. You're not fighting for acceptance. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from a place of already being fully approved, fully accepted, fully victorious in Christ. So who you are in Christ is not, uh, you don't, you don't end up in Christ as the finish line. The believer starts at the starting line of hidden in Christ. And so there's a place of victory, uh, a place of already being loved rather than looking for love yeah, in this world. The astonishing truth of the gospel that the verdict is already in. Now we're free to obey, working from our redemption, mm-hmm. not for it, but from with a saturation uh, of the grace of Jesus with us at all times. Well, you just did it again, brother. God used you to provoke me. Uh, to think of another passage in, in Mark 7, uh, if Jesus were writing a biography of my heart, he, here's the chapter titles that, that he would use. Uh, evil thoughts, deeds of coveting, slander, fornications, wickedness, pride, thefts, deceit, foolishness, murder, sensuality, adulteries, envy. Of course, that's the old man. That's the flesh. That's the unregenerate uh, nature, which we still retain even after our conversion and what we need is christ to fill our hearts i've heard people say the way in the gospel is the way up or as paul put it in colossians as you have received christ jesus the lord there's conversion continue to walk in him there's sanctification and how do we receive him repentance and faith how do we continue to walk in him a life of clinging to Christ, faith, and turning from from all that is dissonant with His Lordship. So, brother, uh, if you could say if, if to anybody listening, like, well, man, uh, unfortunately, that that culture is, is not present in my own life. It, it's not present in the congregation that I'm part of. But I, I aspire to everything you're talking about. I'd love to live in this alternate um you know environment where people stoke one another's fire in christ more and i'd like to be a catalyst to that end what would you say to a brother or sister like that Mm. well i first say that just assume that you're going to be forgetful and so that means daily you have to preach it Mm. to yourself i have a note that I keep close by that says, preach the gospel to yourself right now, 
or today. So assume you're going to forget it. So it makes you preach it. And, and then I would even say, I would go a step further in pressing the need for the body of Christ and say, assume that you won't even be able to see it clearly. And so you need brothers and sisters to speak it clearly in your life. You need to hear it from other people's lips because if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, as Lloyd-Jones would say, we, we listen to ourselves instead of preaching to ourselves. And so we're all listening to our feelings and filled with anxiety and prone to self-righteousness and doubting whether or not God would ever look at us like mm-hmm. he does his son. And then so we need brothers and sisters to say, yes, you're desperate and you're poor and you're wicked, but there's better news. There's a perfect savior. And he lived and died for you and arose again for you and gives great victory. And when the Lord sees you, he sees you clothed, not in your best performance, because that'll never be enough, but in the righteousness of Christ. So both of those things, preach it to yourself and then assume that you need other people to preach it to you. And so as you and as you preach it to yourself and assume you need other people to preach it to you. Guess what that makes you do? It makes me assume that other people have to sit, to hear it. You know, I'm sitting with a brother and I'm like, it seems weird to tell a brother about the gospel again. It might seem awkward, yeah. but it's what he needs. So I got to assume the greatest need is him to hear Amen. about Christ. Again. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of second Corinthians where Paul tells them in chapter six that his heart and his companion's heart is open wide to them. And then he says to the Corinthians open your hearts to us. He says in chapter seven, verse two, make room for us in your heart. And he tells them on the front end, my heart's wide open. You just look at first and second Corinthians and what Paul does is put on a clinic of applying the gospel to every situation in the life of the congregation. But then he tells them Mm. by inference, I know, I know your heart's closed to me. And he appeals to them on the basis of Christ's work in his life and his awareness of Christ's work in their life for them to open their hearts to to him as well. And I find that it's easy for my heart to get closed when sin creeps in. Mm. And I need, like you just said, brothers and sisters, like Paul did for the Corinthians to be in my life, my wife, especially uh, other brothers who are very close to me to to remind me of precisely what you're talking about. All right, brother. Well, thank you for sharing those things uh, and the examples you've seen in your life, in your church, and how you've also received from other brothers and sisters um, the benefit of other people gospeling you, not only you as the pastor trying to do that for everybody else, but can you cap this combo off with a couple of biblical examples of what it looked like in scripture for you to do precisely the thing that you've been talking about. Yeah, it's clear in, throughout the Bible and throughout the New Testament that they're not getting past the gospel. They're not getting growing tired of it or bored with it, but they're going deeper into it in community. I think, you know, you mentioned the church at Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says that he, he wants to remind the brothers of the gospel mm-hmm. that I preach to you which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as of first importance would also receive. And he gives that concise uh, picture of the gospel. What he's saying 
you received it and you're being saved by it. You're, you're being changed right now by it. It's a first importance, not first importance for the unbeliever. And then later it becomes, you know, falls down the list, but it always stays Mm -hmm. first importance for, uh, for believers. And then Paul in Romans one says, you know, uh, I'm eager to come to the church in Rome. And what is he eager to do to set up programs or, you know, to give on, to put on a clinic? No, he just says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. So he's coming to be strengthened, to have mutual encouragement in the gospel, but to remind them that this is the power of God for salvation, not a power, but the power of God for salvation. Amen, brother. Well, may the Lord fill us and fill our churches and by his grace, fill our network with gospel saturated people who communicate in, in our new first language. Again, I love that illustration you gave. May, may we be fluent in sharing the bounty of Christ with our fellow brothers and sisters. And may the Lord continue to increase among us a culture where that's totally normal. May our children grow up thinking that it's just normal for sons and daughters of the king to talk about the king together when they're in each other's company. So brother, thank you for serving us this way. Love you. I appreciate the time and Lord willing, we'll connect again soon. Amen. I'll keep praying that to that end with you.